Hi, hello David and, and Matt, it's Fraser here, yeah, it's Fraser, um, now the podcast, is it called Nine of the, Nine of the Time and the Place, you're doing a review of the Mind Robber, uh, sorry I couldn't come back to you earlier, but I had chicken pox, haha, <laughs> anyway, have a good time, oh yes, breakfast, for breakfast, today I had lovely shreddies with a bit of yoghurt on top and a large cup of tea because I was watching the cricket back here, anyway, have a good review of the podcast, see you guys. Well, better late than never, I suppose. And welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the mystical Matt. Hello there. Do do we need to start changing the opening where it says a podcast about Doctor Who? <laughs> what makes you say that, Matt? It's just like, we're getting a lot of nice tweets through the week, and seems to be a secondary concern these days, the old Doctor Who. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I've 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 kind of I've I've let it slide, purely because it, it's keeping you on board. At the end of the day, as long as you still show, uh, watch Doctor Who every week and show up and at least pay lip service to the notion that that's what we're discussing, um, I, I I'll I'll make do with it at this stage. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, how's your week been, Matt? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Watched a, a really good, really good adventure in time travel this week, haven't we? I, I, I see what you're doing here, Matt. You're beating around the bush. Um, you're clearly going to talk about how something is better than Doctor Who. Uh, so I go watched, on, get it uh, off your chest. Did you think I was talking about Doctor Who? Uh, <laughs> I watched Bill and Ted face the music yesterday. What is worth a watch. Yeah? Yeah. I think if you listen back to, I think it's episode two of our mm. pod, I say Bill and Ted's my all-time favourite time travel, like, film. Yeah. So it was that, a good time. Does that hold, hold true? Yeah, I would still say so. Mm. I really need to watch, um, I've only ever seen the first one, and I would <sighs> like to watch the others, just never gotten around to it, you know. Second's my personal favourite. Uh, you know, I think increasingly... My impression is, and this could be way off, but my impression is, historically, everyone always said the first one was the best. But in recent years, more people... I, I've, I've started noticing, since you've said it to me, more people have started, seem to be saying um, that the second one's possibly superior. Now, I don't know whether that's you being a trendsetter or it's just that I started paying attention to, to that a little I, more. I, I think the second one's funnier and more adventurous, but also yeah. more nonsensical. But it was always kind of a nonsensical thing to begin with. So it might, it's, that, to me, sounds like it's just leaning into its strengths. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, Excellent. Trying to think what else I've been up to this week. I've been playing Knights of the Old Republic, a very old Star Wars game. Finished that last night. Mm-hmm. So I've started playing Jedi Fallen Order, a really new Star Wars game. Mm. Excellent. Um, I don't think I've ever played a Star Wars video game. 
I'll tell you this for nothing, they're better than Doctor Who video games. Well, that that's not hard, is it? I no. You know, a, a stranger coming up and kneeing you in the balls is better than a lot of Doctor Who games. So, yeah. um, Do you know what? It's funny you say balls, and I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent here. You know, last week when we were talking about all the different ways that you can use the word bollocks? Yeah. One we missed, but one of my personal favourites, and I heard it on TV this week, yeah. referring to someone as Billy Big Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's, uh, it's a good word. It's a good yeah. word, for sure. Um, if, if we do go back to last week, where we became a celebrity-endorsed podcast... Yes, indeed. That, that trend has only grown in the last week. Has it? It has. Because mere hours after we stopped recording, and I feel a little bit guilty now, Yes, we, we got a lovely message from Mr. Fraser Hines. We did indeed, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, sadly, it was just a little bit too late to make it onto the edit for last week, so... Um, yeah. But still late uh, enough for me to be quite rude about it on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> But it was great. Obviously, you'll have heard you'll have heard the audio up top on on this episode. But uh, I, I I particularly loved the uh, the chicken pox reference. Yeah. G- great work from Fraser Hines there. I mean, when when I asked what was he having for breakfast, I was not expecting shreddies with a bit of yogurt. That's that seems unusual to me. No, Am I that wrong? that seems like. It's befitting like a quirky older gentleman, that sort of breakfast, isn't it? I suppose. I, you, you see, for me, I, I, I'm aware some people do muesli and yoghurt, though yeah. I've never seen the appeal myself. I'm not a big, I'm not a natural yoghurt person. Oh, really? I like, I like a, a, a yoghurt that has been like pumped full of synthetic flavourings, but I, I struggle with the old like Greek yoghurt and stuff. Especially when people try and fob me off with some with honey in it, because I'm not a big honey person either. No, so. yogurt and honey Ugh. don't mix. I don't, well, you say that, but a lot of people seem adamant to, to make it happen. You know. Well, but anyway, yeah, so shredding and yogurt, that's a new one on me. Yeah. I, I should have tried it. you, Fraser. Should have tried it. But yeah. then, again, linking back to last week... The bread argument, David. Yes. It, yeah. it It's grown bigger than we could have imagined this week. People mm. have been coming out in droves. Yeah. So I thought we needed to put a stop to this. Yes. We needed a voice of reason. We needed yeah. somebody who could settle the debate once and for all. Mm. And I think this is how we're going to settle all our arguments from now on. Yeah. So I tweeted the question to Paul Chuckle, fan of the Who show. Who else? Yeah. So I said, settle an argument for us, Paul. Are the crusty bits at the end of the loaf of the bread the best or the worst bits of the loaf? Whatever you choose will be the decisive correct answer. Okay. Yeah. So I refuse to listen to you, David. I refuse to listen to our listeners. But if Paul Chuckle says it's the best bit. Yeah. For context, it- it's worth mentioning. What, what was the final results on that poll? You put uh, up? If I just find it on Twitter, it was six to one. I won't lie, I was the one. <laughs> um, so I thought, uh, right, what I need is a friend here, someone that will back yeah. me up. 
Yeah. Paul Chuckle said, it's always the last to be eaten. So I said, well, can you clarify, is that because you're saving the best bits for last? You know, I was clutching at straws. And <laughs> he said, they're always the last bits to be eaten, although beans on toast is better on the crust. Oh dear, oh dear. So he said they're the worst, so I'll accept that. Mm. You know. You know what? I it wouldn't necessarily be my first choice for beans on toast, but I I see where Paul's coming from with that. You know, you want a sturdier bit of bread, otherwise you're just gonna get the bean juice is just gonna saturate yeah, your toast what? if you're not careful. So you change your tune. When I said last week, oh, get the butter on it. Oh, the worst part. Well, yeah, uh, it is. No, I stand by it. I stand by it. But I, I, I see where Paul... I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm saying I see where he's coming from, specifically in relation to beans on toast. Oh, well. So, well, there you go. Our final celebrity tweet of the week. Yep. How, how do you feel about this? Marty McLean's been in touch. This is where I'm going to have to come be honest and potentially sound like a, a, a bit of a, you know, head in the sand type. I genuinely don't know who that is. Marty McLean. Now, you, you, just repeating it is not going to make it any Right, well, I'm just going to leave that there. You can just work that out for yourself through the week. Hello, Marty. I, I know like you'll be just, listening. I'm sorry just, about David. Just Googling it now. Marty McLean. I mean, I've heard of Marty McFly, but obviously a fictional character and presumably not the person... We're discussing here. I'm Goog- I'm googling it now, listeners. Bear with me one moment. Marty, see Marty McCl- M- M- McFly comes up. Marty McKenna, a television per- uh, personality, apparently. Marky Marty Mc McLean, Marty McClendon, Marty McLean. Tour dates. Uh, oh, a comedian. No, no, no. Um, no. Nope. So we're looking for a different Marty McLean. Right. Should we should we just leave that? We don't need you googling it. I think Well, I I know I feel like I'm even more lost than before. I assumed when you said it, like there is apparently a comedian called Marty McLean, but it's not that. No. I, I was okay. fairly confident you would have known Marty McLean, but never mind. Oh come on, give me a bit of context. Uh I mean He's just a listener. He was just text tweeting me this week. He just seemed like a nice guy. I just wanted to recognise him. <laughs> That's not a celebrity endorsement. Right, well, that's really upset me that you would say such hurtful things. <laughs> he's a nice guy. Just I'm not saying he's not a nice guy, but that, being a nice guy does not qualify you as a celebrity. We're just trying to build him up, all right? <laughs> Friend of the show. I'm sorry, Marty. Oh, um, well. Sorry, go go on, go on. I, I feel like I've completely derailed this segment. I just, I thought I thought it was supposed to be someone I'd heard of. I, I thought you would have heard of Marty. He's just a good guy. I thought everyone was aware of him. Uh, okay, go on then. What what did Marty have to say? I just said, thanks for the, sh- the pod. It's like, I really enjoy it. Well, it's lovely. I, I I love that people love him. <laughs> I feel incredibly wrong-footed now. What have I done wrong? Man, nothing. I, I I was just trying to set you up. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, well, you you succeeded. I feel very I feel very rattled now. Thank you, Matt. Oh well. Right. 
<laughs> that worked better than I thought it was going to. I thought, I, I thought you'd just play along and just go, all right, yeah, so why don't you tell us a bit about him? But you just didn't. Well, it was just the way you set it up as a celebrity. I was, I, I've, and I, I know that the thing is, I, I have a little bit of a um, complex is too strong a word, but I'm very aware of the fact that I don't know a lot of popular culture because right. I'm very much well, lost in my own why, world. Why do you think I set it up in such a way? Interests, yeah. That, yeah. that was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to come back to that point later in today's episode. Okie doke. Okay, because one of the things we discussed last week was listeners could just send any question they wanted to you, David. Mm -hmm. So we've got got a few. Okay. Okay. So I thought we could run through those. Yep. Happy to. Right. Let me just find them. So the first one comes from our listener, Kimberly, whose birthday it is today, David. Happy birthday, Kimberly. Well done. I, th- I thought you were going to say something like, oh, well, I don't know about birthdays and just put your foot in your mouth again. Well done there, David. <laughs> so she asks, uh, I wonder is David a little bit disappointed that after eight series and a few classics here and there that you've not- that I haven't emerged as a fully-fledged Doctor Who fan by now? I mean, yeah, hugely disappointed. I've said, I think I've said on pod before, I really thought the Moffat era was going to turn you around. I remember like having conversations back when you'd give me lifts to your house to, to record, um, having conversations with you saying, uh, you know, when we were getting through series four, I was like, I mean, I know you're not quite feeling it yet, but series five, it's going to be like a different vibe, different main writer. And I think it's going to be much more in tune with your sensibilities and I, I really thought the Moffat era was going to be the thing, excuse me, the thing to kind of just turn you around. And it hasn't so far, it seems like. I mean, would you say that you're enjoying the Moffat era more than RTD? Uh, or is it just on, on about the, whole, the same yeah, level, but, but that, different? That last series was garbage. Oh, that's a bit strong. I think uh, uh, we did get some other comments saying that other people kind of agreed with me that it it improves on a rewatch series eight. I do think that is the case. It's uh, well, you know me, I'm a one yeah. and done kind of guy. No yeah, exactly. For me. It's it's uh, it, God of the days where you'd try and watch the episode twice in <laughs> yeah. uh, before recording. So next question, yeah, comes from a listener. I'm not sure if you've heard of this one, Marty McLean. <laughs> yep, go on. Uh, who asks you, do you regret any of your picks of classic episodes? Are there any stories you should have picked over the ones you did? <sighs> I agonise so much about every single classic one. Um, the one that really sticks out to me, the one where I feel like I really fucked up the most, was um, picking the demons for Pertwee. Because yeah, that, that was that was that was all right. It was a bit fun. Uh, I don't know. You didn't have anything nice to say about it when we were recording. I think it's maybe warmed a little bit in your estimation over time since. But at the time, I remember, I, I remember thinking, "Oh, he's going to love this," and that was just pure blindness on my part because it was like 
I love it because uh, I'm a big fan of like folk horror and uh, and that whole vibe. Um, but I think that was my interests getting in the way of choosing something that I think might have been more accessible or, or more palatable for you. But um, See, yeah, when, other than when... that, I, I'm also, I, I don't know, I think I maybe regret doing um, Robots of Death for the Fourth Doctor because I've never personally rated it that highly. But then again, I kind of went the other direction there. I tried to go with one that was really highly acclaimed within the fandom at large. And I was like, and it's got Leela. I like Leela. I thought you'd enjoy Leela as a companion. Uh, and I thought there'd be enough Tom Bakeriness to kind of for you to have something for you to latch onto, but I don't think it really did. I think it was a bit that was just a bit of a damp squib that one uh, for both of us actually. I think. Well, when I was thinking about it last night, yeah. like I, I know at the time I absolutely slated Tomb of the Cybermen, but yeah. then I thought, well, your hands were tied because a lot of Troughton's episodes are lost. Yeah, especially so, when it comes to like t- shorter stories. So I would say if you took that out of the equation, the one that I would say, I don't want to say that I enjoyed least, because sometimes the ones that are really bad, I enjoy for the wrong reasons, like the demons. Yeah. But I would say the one that had like no lasting effect on me was the Peter Davison one. Enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah, again, other than I like that, like Turlo guy, that creep just in the yeah. background. <laughs> you see, like, again, I wonder whether you see, I chose that one because, again, I love it, and 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 I like the sort of you know me, I like it when Doctor Who gets a bit surreal and stuff, and the, just the the imagery around, uh, you know, these sailing ships in space and all of that, I I really enjoyed, but yeah, I wonder whether. It didn't. It didn't set you off on the right path with the with the fifth Doctor. I don't know. Fifth Doctor is a tricky one. Mm. I think what fifth Doctor of all the classic Doctors, I think his era is the one that most benefits from being watched in order as like a binge, right? Okay. Uh, thing because there is just a little bit more continuity in his companions and. And things like that, and like obviously, Enlightenment is the third part of a of a of a sort of mini arc, if you like, with Turlow from his introduction uh, to this kind of turning point for him at the end of Enlightenment. So maybe it was a big ask of you to kind of come in at that point in that story. I don't know, but I, I'll be honest, basically, this is I feel like I've never got it right with the classics, um, and maybe I never will. Try to think which one I liked best. Just like that first Doctor one, the, the rescue. rescue. Yeah, yeah, that one was pretty good. Uh, it's very straightforward. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to do a little bit more McCoy. I've really, really warmed to him. Yeah, I, I still haven't watched his era. I'm, I'm hoping by the time we next get to McCoy, I will have watched his era in full. It, I'm, I'm, I'm. I've I've kind of stalled in that I've finished Colin Baker's era and now I've just gone back to a bit of Tom Baker. Oh, really? Um, I'm, I keep I don't I don't know what it is. I just keep putting McCoy off for one reason or another. Um, but I will get there. Um, right. There are there are a couple of other questions, David. Yes. But they come with a caveat. Okay. Okay. Because I'm only going to ask you them if you accept a forfeit. <laughs> all right. Okay. Because they're all about like. You're tasting music, so... 
if, okay. I, if we're going to have another 20-minute conversation about that, I want something in return. What's that something? I'm not telling you. All right. You if I get to stuck about music, I'm, I'm up for it. Go okay, for it. so you accept. Whatever so, it is, I'll do it. Yeah. So the first message comes from Frank, who okay. says, I'd love to know what David's guilty pleasure is with music. Mm. Okay. So this might sound like a bit of a pat answer. I don't really believe in guilty pleasures when it comes to art of any kind. I think if you like it, you like it, you know. And, and uh, to be honest, that should be, I would think, a prevailing attitude within Doctor Who fandom because objectively, a lot of Doctor Who is quite bad. <laughs> um, but we love it regardless. We love it because of its potential and the fact that it can reach these dizzying highs as well as reaching substantial lows at times. Um, and so it is what it is. Uh, so I, I like what I like when it comes to music. I guess what other people would consider guilty pleasures. I, I quite like a lot of like a bit of like new age stuff, you know, fairly cheesy world music, you know, mixing a bit of Irish folk with a bit of African drumming and some lady chanting, you know, your Enya's, your... Um, What's her name? Lorena something or other. I can't remember her name now. But, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm not apologetic about it. No. It's like, it's, it's like your love for Pitbull. Don't you really like Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide? See, he's lost for words, guys. He's so emotional when it comes to Pitbull. <laughs> when I used to, like, drive to his house to pick him yeah. up and you could just hear it blaring from miles away. <laughs> I, I, I'm wh- off the top of your head, I'm, David. Could you name a single Pitbull song? Uh, no, I, I've. Are they a band? Uh, it's just a man. Just a man. Just a man. Right. He's, okay. He's called Mister Worldwide. He just loves parties. Okay, and presumably he he's he sings or possibly raps about these parties. Yeah, and he's about forty-five, so he should probably know better. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, yeah, never heard of him, but sure. All right. Yeah, okay. Actually, you know what? I'll tell you what. Better answer. If we're talking about rap, right? Um, I will admit to the fact that the only rap I rap artist in inverted commas I like is the novelty nerd rap artist Professor Elemental, who sort of does sort of comedy rap songs about uh, tea and... And, and things like that. It sort of plays into British stereotypes and things. And I find it funny. There we and go. sort of catchy. So that answers so that go. question. Yeah. Okay. Next couple of questions from Chris. I'm just going to read his full tweet. So it says, I'd love if David went into depth on his opinions on different prog rock bands. Okay. What, what Yes album is the best? Relayer. Okay. Whether Muse is shit just because they're famous? Muse, I really... I actually preferred them before they tried to do the all-out prog thing. I, my favourite album by them is Origin of Symmetry. I kind of lose yeah. interest after that. Absolution's okay, and then they kind of just drop off for me. Uh, and does prog metal count? Uh, yeah, it does, but the most interesting stuff for me is the stuff that's happening... I'm not big on, like, Cookie Monster growl vocals. I I find that takes me out of a song. So when it comes to prog metal, 
the stuff that I like best is the stuff where it's kind of incorporating metal with with a billion other genres and is is kind of jumping all over the shop. You know, I'm thinking like Mr. Bungle. Would Mr. Bungle even count as a prog metal band? I don't know whether they would, but they certainly I, I think he just makes up these bands. You've never heard of Mr. Bungle? I mean, I know he's the bear off Rainbow. Oh man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna link you to some Mr. Bungle when we're done. Uh, we'll change your life. I think I'm busy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Forfeit time. Okie doke. And this is tied into this, you know, constant ranting on music that we tend to have from you. I've yeah. picked it's a little bit like Desert Island Discs. I've picked five songs that I want you to listen to this week. Okay. Happy okay. to do that. And yeah. they're they're just ordinary pop songs, fairly popular, famous ones, and we're just okay. gonna get your opinion. Can I do the same for you, Matt? Uh going forward, yes. Possibly. Okay. We'll do we'll do me this week and next week I'll do a little five song playlist for you. And I promise I will only do one song over the 15-minute mark. Uh, I think I'm busy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I picked five songs. Okay. Are, are you familiar with Beyonce? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard of Beyonce, obviously. Ha- have you uh, heard her song Halo? Uh, no. Uh, uh, did uh, she do the one about an umbrella, or is that a different... No, that's Rihanna. Song? Okay, right. Okay. So that's song number one. Okay. Then I've gone for a little bit of Taylor Swift. Right. Yes, I've heard of her. So instead of one of her, like, really famous hits, I've gone for one... uh, It was still a hit. I've gone for Style. I thought you Mm -hmm. would like that one. Yep. Then I've gone One Direction. Okay. Okay. It's the song Perfect. It's a great song. Right. Okay. Then I've gone for a bit of Post Malone. Now, that I, I've definitely encountered that name somewhere. I couldn't tell you where well, or when. The song I've picked, I thought it's an accessible one. I picked Sunflower, because that's from the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. All right, okay. Okay. And Still then, not watched that, by the way. should get on it before it disappears off Netflix. Uh, it, it left on New Year's Eve. It's not on Netflix. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> uh, the last one, are you aware of Cardi B? No. Okay. So I half a second thought you were going to say Cardiac, so I was like, well, yes. <laughs> uh, no, because they're a made-up yeah. band. Um, so I've they're got... Not, they've just been added to Spotify listeners. Get on it. Cardiacs are brilliant. Uh, anyway, okay. go on. Uh, so I've gone for her song, WAP, which was Whap. a big hit last year. Are you uh, familiar? Oh, so it's not, it's not in relation to the, uh, the, the um, form of Wi-Fi that phones used to connect to before they could do the internet properly. You could not be more wrong. Yeah. Do you remember that? Did you ever have a WAP phone? Yeah, first phone I had was a WAP phone. It was made really? by a company called Trium as well, mm. that I think got bought by Philips. So... The first WAP phone I had was... Do you remember those Samsung flip phones with like the blue porthole? Yes. On Yeah. Had one of those. That was the first time I ever used WAP, I believe. Okay. So mm. I, I, I'm going to... I'll I'll put those in our chat. I'll link you to the YouTube clips and you can watch those. Righty-ho. Do you, do you know I'll... what I think's really weird? And I think about it all the time and I've never once yeah. mentioned it on pod. Go for it. How many episodes are we on now? About 118? Mm-hmm. I don't have your phone number. Do you not? 
No, that's why I always send you messages mm. on Facebook. Um, well, we've never needed to do anything else, have we? If I if I click on you in my phone contacts, oh no, I may be, hold on. Let me just see if your phone rings. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Ooh, oh, the that's... suspense. It might be one from several years ago. I can't remember how long I've had this number. I've had this number for context. I've had my current number for about six years. Please leave your message after the tone. To record your message again, no. press hash at any time. No, so I don't have your mobile number. That's why I always send you messages on Facebook. <laughs> Just if people are under I mean, the impression we're like best mates, don't even have your phone number. I, I mean, I, I, I can give it to you if you want it. Why not just but, give it out on pod? Yeah, why not? I don't care. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. No. I'll be yeah. honest. The thing is, I don't, I don't really use my phone as a phone because I don't like having phone conversations with people. And if I'm texting someone, I mean, that comes out of my balance. Whereas if I Facebook message or WhatsApp them, it's, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. Hmm. So... That's what I. That's what I've always done, really. So, so as long as I've had smartphones. Can I ask you another question? Yes, go on. What do you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> See if you can guess, Matt. A uh, bit of toast, bit of marmite. You would be correct. Well, guess what I had. Did you have shreddies and yogurt? No, I, I, rather than. Follow up Fraser Hines' advice. I took yours. I had croissants from a can. Oh, how was that? They were all right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Made a little bit of cinnamon butter to go in them. It was lovely. Ooh. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. But we're recording a... later today, so can I ask what have you had for lunch? Uh, I just uh, just had a bit of salad and cheese and uh, bits and bobs, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. What about you? I had super noodles that were anything but super. Mm. I I'm very bad when it comes to I can't really do um, processed noodles like like uh, instant ones. Do you I think anyone's ever got the ratio correct? <laughs> I don't know. I either get it but, where I have loads of like horrible pissy chicken water, <laughs> or like. They're just dry, and you have to add more water, and then you end up with the horrible water. I just can't mm. get it right. Yeah. You accuse me of making up bad names. How about pissy chicken water? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what? yeah, I, no, they, for some reason, instant noodles really disagree with me. Ah. Well, it's one of the only things that just makes me feel proper ill after two mouthfuls. I um, cannot do them. There was a little bit of... I, of chatter on our Twitter this week because yeah. one day for my lunch I had a tin of macaroni cheese. Yeah. Thoroughly see, unpleasant. I, you know, I think tins of macaroni cheese for me is one of the things, if you go in with open eyes, you know what you're getting into, then it's judgment-free as far as I'm concerned. There have been occasions when I've eaten macaroni cheese from a tin. In the past, I think... Potentially, I see future tins of macaroni cheese ahead of me, but it's not something I'd go out of my way to have. But on occasion, it will occur, and it's fine. 
See, we mention it all the time, but we don't really sell it until the end when everyone's switched off anyway. If if yeah. you don't follow us on Twitter, it's at Time Nor Space Pod. There's usually yeah. a couple of good jokes through the week. Yeah, if you like this sort of bullshit, then Matt is just doing it every day. Basically, every time oh, I have a recap. random thought, I just put it out on our Twitter. <laughs> so if that's what you're into, yeah, do 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 give us a follow. And once in a blue moon, I might chip in. Yep. Um, so what's been your best meal this week, David? Well, if we rewind the clock all the way back to uh, Monday, mm-hmm. uh, it was Burns Night. It was. So haggis, neeps and tatties. Vegetarian haggis, of course. But very nice. Some people would say there's no such thing, but I, I mean, I'm actually having haggis. For I my mean, tea vegetarian tonight. haggis is so easy to do because is I it mean, just the oats content and spice? In haggis. What's that? Is it just the oats and the spice and oats and spice and some little bits of soya protein or whatever? I didn't look closely to see what was in it actually on this particular one, but it's at the end of the day, haggis is just bits of stuff that are deliciously spiced. So as long as you get the delicious spicing of the texture about right. Who gives a shit whether an animal is contained therein or not? No. It's got to be eyeballs and arseholes for me. <laughs> right, so would you say that beat your week one curry? No, of course not. The week one good, curry's but... just going down in like history, I think. Yeah. Saying, I, I did last... warn you when you introduced a segment. We were starting strong. It's going to take a lot to knock week one curry off. Say, last Tuesday, my wife made Toad in the Hole. That was my meal of the week. Yeah. Um, I'll tell but... you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a promise. So I'm just thought, sorry to interrupt. I've just thought, with week one coming, right, we've got the issue here that it's going to take a lot of beating. I'm going to pledge to you now, Matt, next time I'm ordering a takeaway from Japer Spice, which, you know, maybe in a couple of months will happen, I will not order my usual. I will order something different. Okay. To see if it knocks the week one curry, the usual order, off the wow. top spot. That that's going to be better than the King Kong versus Godzilla fight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, you was I interrupted you. Toad in the hole. Yeah, but I don't think it beats my lasagna for meal of the meal mm. of the year. Was it? Uh, I mean, was it a well executed toad in the hole? Oh, perfect. One thing mm. my wife does better than anything is uh, Yorkshire puddings. But the thing is, if I if I have toad in the hole, I pretty much just want toad in the hole. Maybe a bit yeah. of mash and gravy, yeah. but you know, we had broccoli, we had leeks, and it was too much for me. <sighs> you know. Too many distractions on the plate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what 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 was go- what kind of sausages did you um, have in there? Well, proper thick ones, because obviously we mm. live just down the road from. Quite a well-known, popular sausage. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was if it was that particular brand. Yeah, I mean, we might as well say it's Heck Sausages. Yeah, I mean, from that, people aren't going to deduce where my house is. No, uh, but yeah, we live very, very close to the Heck. You, might, you, 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 you could you could practically just pop over and pick up a packet straight from the factory. Yeah, it, it's literally the midpoint from my house to yours. Yeah, but. Um... So yeah, were they were they a particular? Do they have were they like apple or uh, anything no, th- fancy think, going on? I think they were they were like high pork content rather than just, just like cardboard. quite traditional bangers, basically. Yeah, just nice and plain. I'm yeah. not always a fan of just like fancy sausages. Yeah, 
people can go a bit far with them, I find, sometimes. Mm. No. Like, if I'm having Toad in the Hole, like I say, all I want is Toad in the Hole. Yeah. Well, there we go, listeners. Right. Um, 36 minutes. <laughs> Jesus. Might cut that down a You're not allowed to bit. say Jesus. We'll You've made your stance on him perfectly clear after last <laughs> oh, week. Let's, let's not rehash that. The amount of complaints um, I had to field. <laughs> We've got loads I of did, emails I really where the heading was about just wh- heretic. Yeah. I, I did vacillate about whether or not to cut that stuff out, but in the end, I was, I was editing it. I was just like... I can't be asked. I, I'm just going to leave it in out of sheer. What's that? Some, I, I wanted to stage some in like insane Da Vinci Code like plot just to prove yeah. to you that Jesus was real. <laughs> but but I think Tom Hanks was busy. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Um, do we finally get to talk about Doctor Who now? Yeah, we may as well. Hooray! Ah, so then I'm trying. It's it's been that long, Matt. You know, you've you've successfully derailed our podcast to the point where I I, I can't now even remember which it was. It's a uh, Magician's Apprentice, isn't it? Star it is. C- series nine. Correct. Ah, yeah, written by Stephen Moffat. Have you got the air date there? Nineteenth uh, of September, two thousand fifteen. For old times' sake, what were you up to then? Uh, 2015. I would have been in my current job. Right. Um, 19th of September. Probably fresh-faced off the back of your PGCE, perhaps? Yeah, I'd have probably just been like... I don't know, I'd probably be milling about with you if it was a Saturday. No, Sunday we'd hang out. So, I don't know, yeah, I'd probably be getting Sunday. ready for D&D. Yeah. Yeah, doing a bit of prep. Because you here's... would have been DMing back then, wouldn't you? Yeah. I miss it. Ah, oh, oh God, so much. I I was I was saying to my partner just the other night because I was I was eyeing up. There's someone's uh, oh, there's a Kickstarter out for a, a solo RPG. It's sort of like the way they the creator described it almost as like a mindfulness writing exercise where you kind of you've got little prompts and you you write your your decisions in a journal, um, which I'm kind of tempted by because it's not very expensive, but. Um, I was just like, oh, God, I miss it so much. I just want to hang around a table and just chuck some dice with some mates. It's been so long. Do you think when it starts up, you'll start playing again? (sighs) I hope so. Because obviously I had kind of quit it before lockdown happened, purely because, you know, little Absorbaloff came along. And it was... uh, I think it will depend whether we're caught up on the podcast or not and whether we we decide to rest it for a bit because I basically don't have room in my weekend for more than one hobby. So for the last few years, it's been this. But um, I could potentially swing it. Uh, But yeah. Oh, God, no, I miss it so much. To bring the pod back to Doctor Who rather than our social calendar, did you watch the prologue for this episode? Um, well, there's, it's weird because there's two prologues for this. Oh, there's right. There's one that's on iPlayer, and there's another which I think was attached to a theatrical release of the Series 8 finale called The Doctor's Meditation. And I, I toyed with sending you that to watch as an additional thing, but to be honest, I don't think it adds anything. 
It's mm. it's it's amusing hijinks, but it's not really. It doesn't help you get into the episode. And I kind of like actually. I did watch the prologue because it came up on iPlayer, but again, I feel like it's unnecessary. Did 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 you find it annoying that on iPlayer it's not listed as a season nine episode? So when you watch it. You have to exit yeah. out and then go search for season nine and watch the episode, rather than it simply flowing into the start. Of uh, the I didn't. I didn't have that, but I use Chromecast, so it's a slightly different uh, right. setup, I think. But, but, um, but yeah. I mean, did you watch the prologue then? I did. I yeah. Did. What did you think? Uh, it's good to see the sisterhood of Khan back. Yeah, we got it. We got to watch Brain and Morbius at some point, just as research for you. I feel like mm. to give more context on Khan. Um, uh, I like the bit where the doctor said, "I'm going to go meditate on a rock," because that just made me think of the twin dilemma. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So I think the 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 uh, the order is: you've got you've got this prologue, then you've got the doctor's meditation, and then you've got the episode itself. But uh, so maybe I'll link it to you, and you can see it for context this week. But like I say, it's a bit of fun, but it doesn't really add much to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but it is. It's nice to see uh, Ahila from the Sisterhood of Khan back. Hmm. Um, and of course, she comes in later in this episode as well. So this was the first episode where she actually got uh, where she's on not just like a web release uh, bit of bonus content, but actually featured in an episode itself. Yeah, because when would yeah. be the last time we saw them? Night of the Doctor. I was going to say, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, the Paul McGann uh, hmm. regeneration special. Right. Which, yeah. Again, oh, I can't. It's so wonderful that Moffat did that. Um, yeah, it's one of my most rewatched Doctor Who things. Oh, just that little bit. Yeah, just because it because you can do it in ten minutes. Sometimes when I'm on a lunch break or something, I'm just like, I'm just gonna watch Night of the Doctor again. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah. Let's get into it. Let's right. do it now. So, a lot of people. Actually, oh, I know. Sorry, sorry. I'm. You know what? I'm the one derailing today. But I haven't asked you. Good episode, bad episode. Where are you ranking uh, the Magician's Apprentice? Uh, I'd go good episode, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just quite straight like up this. good episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I I have some criticisms of it, but overall, yeah, pretty pretty happy with this one. So, uh, and as I was saying, most people when I've said, "Oh, this is the episode we're watching," yeah, have pointed to this cold open as a bit of a highlight. Oh yeah, I I I re- I was tingling when I was watching it the first time. I re- I remember like genuinely, you know, when you get that feeling of just like like your heart's going and. You just got that adrenaline rush just from some crazy bit of TV. Mm. I had that from this because it's such a magnificent reveal. So let's get stuck into it, shall we, at last. So it opens with laser biplanes shooting at people with bows and arrows. And we see a little boy running across the battlefield. Yeah. So he's lost. He doesn't know where he's going. And he's consoled by a soldier. Yes. And we find out the ground is volatile, mm-hmm. and there are mines that detect motion. Mm-hmm. And 
when the soldier says to the boy, have you ever seen one before? He looks down because one has got the soldier's leg. Yeah. And they're, they're not landmines, they're handmines. Yeah. Which, it could have been such a goofy thing, but they play it with such a straight bat. And yeah, it's, it's genuinely horrifying. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like an arm down till the elbow with a hand yeah, on the top. And we a should big say hand, hats, hats off to Hetty MacDonald, the director of this episode. Um, I believe her first episode that she's directed since Blink. Oh, really? Yeah, she was the director of Blink. Um, and yeah, amazing, amazing work in, in this uh, and the next episode as well. So, like we say, they've got eyes in the palm of the hand and the boy starts to they shout do. help as the hand pulls the soldier beneath the ground. Yeah. And out of nowhere, a sonic screwdriver is thrown to the boy. Uh-huh. And I quite like the line where the doctor says, right, you've got a one in 1,000 chance, so forget the 1,000, focus on the one. Uh, yeah. And the doctor was just looking for a bookshop. That's how he mm-hmm. wound up here. And I love that. That's I love it because it's such an obvious bullshit doctor excuse. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I do like that. He says, I was looking for a bookshop. bookshop. How do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I mean, we'll probably talk on it later. But one thing yeah. I really did like about this episode is the doctor's back to being doctory. Yes. He's not yeah. just a miserable git. He's got yeah, like a we... ni- nice hoodie going on and a jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was uh, definitely a last Christmas. I think was the stepping stone from the prickly series eight Doctor. We are now moving into prime Capaldi, mm. and like I say, when people talk about Capaldi being their favourite Doctor, this series and series ten are really where the bulk of that comes from. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to see that now. Um, I was going to mention, actually, in this cold open, for the for the eagle-eyed, knowledgeable Doctor Who fan, there is a little bit of a giveaway as to where they are, purely because in, the, uh, in Genesis of the Daleks, there is a reference to the way this war is going. They'll end like the the technology was sort of going backwards as they were running out of resources. And he said the way this war is going, by the end of it, they'll be uh, fighting with bows and arrows. Ah, right. And so we we see that mix of technology in this in this opener. So uh, yeah. So if you were if you were putting two, two and two together as a Doctor Who fan, you might have had an inkling. But even so, I imagine this came as a shock for them. So the doctor says to the boy, what's your name? Yeah. Turns I, out... I like specifically, he says, tell me the name of the boy who isn't going to die today. Which, again, brilliant doctory line, that. It's only bloody Davros, isn't it? It is bloody Davros. What if it was a different Davros? It was just another... Yeah. Could... Is it that uncommon a name? I don't think so. Like, what if it just went, oh, my name's Rose? And he'd be like, uh, Rose Tyler? He'd be like, no, just Ro- Rose Smith. Yeah. You know, just a I, different don't, I don't know enough about happen. the Daleks, you know. Davros could be like a popular name. Yeah. Or it but might obviously have... we know, we know because of television rules, it's that Davros. Yeah. And, ah, oh, like I say, just a proper, I, 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 it got me on a physical level, that opener. I was just like, 
what the fuck is happening? What are you doing, Moffat? You know? You know, the Daleks come from the Carleds. Yes. Were the Carleds just humans? Is that why Davros is just a little boy? Yes. They're, They're just... Well, they're not humans, but they're humanoid, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much identical. Yes. Right. Okay. So, then we get the titles. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, on this weird planet, is that Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds playing? <laughs> like, it's like a little bar market area. Just a lovely yeah, little bit of Nick Cave. It's uh, the um, Maldivarium, which is the sort of... I, I, I guess it's like a... Um, it's, all, it's basically... Let's call it what it is. It's a Star Wars cantina, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's what they're doing, but it's specifically it's the one that was owned by Dorian Maldivar. Yes, the, the big blue, blue guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a man look in a robe looking for the doctor. Yeah, and I've just called him Slicey Face for now. Yeah, yes, yeah. We 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 discover soon enough why he's got a Slicey Face. Yeah. Um, I I really like uh, Colony Salve, but I do think. He is one step away from being just a Noel Fielding Mighty Boosh character. Oh, yeah, exactly. I I thought it was going to be that when he gets overthrown, he's just going to be like, yeah, Colony Soft's just my stage name. My name's actually David, and I do this on the weekends for a bit of extra cash. Yeah, and nice production detail. You know how he's gliding around in his big cloak? Yeah. It's just on a segue under there. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh wow! But you wouldn't, you you don't realise, you no. know, nice is you know well edited. I think it's always well, always nice to see an ood, isn't it? Always nice. I love an ood. Yeah, yeah. And then old slicey face grows when they say they don't know where the doctor is. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the next scene. It's always nice to see a jadoon, isn't it? It is always nice to see a jadoon. Love a jadoon as well. It's and, always nice uh, to see you, the Shadow Proclamation, isn't it? Yeah, did, did you recognise it? It's the same actor playing, the, I'll forget the name of a title, but, uh, you know, head honcho of the Shadow Proclamation. Yeah. Um, the last scene in Journey's End, back in Series 4. Mm. Yeah, so we so. get a little bit of, like, a whistle-stop greatest hits. Yeah, we do a bit. Um, and I do think, again, this 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 sequence is all very Star Wars-y. Like, they're even doing the, like, um, the old-fashioned uh, wipe transitions and stuff mm. between between these locations. I think it's very much wearing its influence on its sleeve. So, we find out Colony Sarf is hired by Davros to find yeah. the Doctor. Uh, and then, it's always nice to see the Sisterhood of Khan again, isn't it? It is. I mean, we saw them not long ago in the <laughs> prologue, but uh, yeah, yeah, always nice to see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so when I was making my notes at first, I put, oh, it's always nice to see an Ood. And then I realised we were seeing <laughs> everyone. So I yeah. just made a list. Um, so he tells them that Davros is dying and has a message yeah. for the Doctor. So Davros knows and Davros remembers. Yeah. What do you think he knows and remembers? Well, the implication is very much he remembers this encounter. Yeah. 
that we we've we've just been teased with in the the uh, cold open. But as to what he knows, who can say? So the Doctor must face Davros one last time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the Doctor was hiding and listening this whole time. Yeah. Then I put, it's always nice to see Davros. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, uh, same, same actor as last time, Julian Bleach. Um, and already... It, it's it, it's what well, the thing that I appreciate most about this is we get to see a bit more range from him. In Journey's End and Stolen Earth, he pretty much just has to scream the whole time. There isn't yeah. much room for nuance, but you know, in this context, he's older, he's dying, and yeah, you get a little bit more range with him. I think Julian Bleach really gets to show why he was perfectly cast as as Davros. Do you feel sorry for old Bert Davros? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that question for this week. Okay. I think we can talk about that a little more next week. Okay. I certainly do think Julian Bleach does a good job in uh, bringing out the pathos, like the, the, literally the sort of pathetic quality in Davros at this stage. Mm. Um, I don't know. Part of me was like, he's not dying, it's a trap. But then when we see him and he's just all like fetid and rotting. Yeah, and all all hooked up to this big tubey machine. Yeah, he doesn't look in a good way. Not that he ever looks particularly tip top. (laughs) No, no, considering like he doesn't have any eyes and he's all rotten. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so... I'm trying to think where we go next from this bit. So Davros has the sonic screwdriver? Yes. Yeah, same one. Yeah. That we And he then says if you're going to find the doctor, you need to find his friends. So he sets yeah. Colony Sarf on the companions. Yeah. Hard cut back to Grange Hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Clara in the classroom is teaching mm-hmm. and all the planes out the window are suspended in the sky. So she draws a little circle around it to see whether it's moving or not. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it isn't. So Clara is then contacted by unit. Yeah. Okay. And she just gets to just, apparently the school at this point are just like, well, I guess, I guess her, her results must be good enough that they don't mind that she just, occasionally fucks off to have a a sci-fi adventure for a a few days in the middle of term. It's not how it works. I'll I'll tell you that (laughs) right now. It's not not how it works. Do they not like a maverick teacher? Like, oh, he doesn't play by the rules, but by God, he gets results. Uh, From my experience, I I mean, I don't play by the rules or get the results. (laughs) (laughs) No, um... No, I think, like, I think Mavericks are fine. It's just I don't think you can leave in the middle of the day. You've got that yeah. duty of care. There, there, with certain professions, there really are limitations on how much of a maverick you can be. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. the the basic rule of thought is we get twelve weeks a year off. How much more time can you possibly need? 
Yeah. Well, you know, if uh, if unit beckons, you, you know, what choice do you have? So, uh, I've put. It's always good to see Kate Stewart. It's good know, to see Kate Stewart. That's that's a reoccurring theme in my notes. Just it's always good yeah. to see them. Yeah, uh, I mean this again. This is a. Um, you would you. I would say you've got to level a similar criticism to this episode as we did with Deep Breath in that it is not newcomer friendly. No, but when I say it's good to see Kate Stewart, yeah, it's so good to see her without Osgood. Ah, oh, fuck off! I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah, don't need garbage to stick character the boot in for that. a garbage fan base. Uh, I miss her. Uh, so Kate Stewart says it's an attack, whereas Clara says, "Well, nobody's dying, and yeah. the only concern is the planes have stopped." So it's a cry for attention. Somebody wants us to notice. Yeah, and then we get the message on the screen. Oh yeah. That says, you're so fine. Mm-hmm. You blow my mind. And David. Yeah. It's always good to see Missy. She's it not is. dead. I told it you always. there'll be a book or a potion or a... <laughs> and, but there's nothing. And what I love about this is uh, literally, you know, she says in this offhanded way, yeah, not dead. Sorry, big surprise. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there is no... No attempt to, you know, we've seen the, the master having to become a goose snake and possess bodies and, you know, book, secret books of Saxon and potions. None of that bullshit here. Just, yeah, the master's not as dead as we thought, yeah, uh, it, thought it they were. Yeah, it works better with Missy. Yes. It, you know, if Missy was there going, yeah, I had to get my ex-wife to get <laughs> you know, just nowhere near as good. The fact that she's just yeah. like, yeah, I'm alive, deal with it, makes <laughs> yeah. it so much better. Absolutely. And, yeah, an absolute joy. It would have been a, such a waste for her to have only really got that one story. Especially um, when she just turns up and is like, oh, yeah, just, uh, just quite fancy a chat with Clara. <laughs> yep, so she's in order to engineer that, she's going to like do this absurd attention grabbing thing of just stopping all the planes in the world hmm. just to have a chat and a, and a little cup of coffee. Yeah, so yeah. The, it, it's Morocco or somewhere. <laughs> I think so. I think they, they, they filmed it in Spain. I think she said she doesn't specify. She just says uh, one of your hot countries <laughs> is uh, how she refers to it. Uh, but yeah, she's just sat casually on a little plaza and, and demands eight snipers so that they'll feel comfortable. Yeah, but what what a way to introduce yourself to uh, Clara as well. She just goes, yeah. "How's your boyfriend? Still dead?" <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Go on, Missy. Oh gosh, she is she is something else, isn't she? So yeah, yeah. I, I was so glad to see her. Yeah, and the bit when when um, you know she's talking about, I forget exactly where it comes in, but but Clara asks her, you know, have you turned good? And so she just starts murdering people, just to be like, no, I've not turned good. Well, uh, she says, yeah. you know, it's not that she's turned good; 
It's that yeah. she ain't good. <laughs> yeah, she really leans into the accent. That was oh, so good. Yeah. So yeah. she unfreezes one of the planes just a little so it can move so Clara's in the shade. <laughs> yeah. And we see that the disc from the prologue that the Doctor had yeah. was a confession dial. Yes. Okay. So one of the questions we had this week, David... Yeah. Uh, it's from a guy called Marty McLean. Yes, I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, asked, what would be in our confession dials? Is there anything you want to confess to, David? Um, I don't think so. Is it, uh, what about you? Have you got anything? Uh, the only thing I could think of, because I got, I got that message late last night, so I was thinking about it in bed. And yeah. when I tell you this, David, you'll think less of me as a human. Okay, go for it. Uh, because between the ages of about uh, 13 and 18, I had a job where I worked as a milkman. So I used to uh-huh. get up on a morning and deliver the milk. And I used to start work at three in the morning and finish by about half six. Yeah. And back in those days, because it was about 20 years ago, nothing was ever open at that time of day. Mm-hmm. So... Five days a week for about five years, I had a wee in the same person's garden. <laughs> in the same spot, just behind the bush where no one could see me. Oh my goodness. Like a territorial dog. Yeah, like n- when I think about my lawn now and the damage my dogs do to it, I'm like, I wonder if there was like a piss burn in the grass. There probably would have been if you picked the same spot every time. Yeah, I wonder if they were setting like fox traps. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel so guilty because it's fairly local. I drive past it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's. I mean, that's a good, good confession for your confession dial. I don't know. I don't know that I have any because, like I said, I'm a very, I'm a pretty honest person. I don't really. You get kind of ties back to what I was saying about guilty pleasures. I don't really have any. I don't really. I live a fairly unburdened life in that if I've made a mistake, I'll kind of fess up there and then. I don't really carry secrets with me. Mm. That's it. Like, I, I, I'm very much the same, an open book. Yeah. But, yeah. The only other thing I could think of was when I used to walk to school on a morning, we used to stop at the same, like, little corner shop, little village yeah. shop. And the little old lady that opened, that ran the shop, uh, used to make, like, bacon butties on a morning. You could pay, like, a pound, get a bacon sandwich. So what we used to do was, one at a time, order a sandwich so she had to go into the back room to make it, and then we'd just fill our pockets with sweets that we'd stole. <laughs> so oh, you we know always what? I tell you what. I tell you what. I've got one. I've got one. So on the, on sort of on that note of, like, old jobs and stuff, uh, for a while, a few months, I worked in a bakery, um and i hated it the owners were really horrible um and i had a miserable time but i'd got the job because my parents were very very keen that i had like a sort of um basically it's because i'd had a bit of a bit of a wobble year where i'd started doing my a levels and for various reasons it wasn't working out at the place i was at so i ended up quitting the sixth form where i was and I was going to re- restart my A-levels at a sixth form college. 
uh-huh. elsewhere. So I had like a, a, a sort of two term gap in which I wasn't doing anything. And so my parents were like, well, you need to go out and get a job. So I got this job in a bakery. And as I say, I hated it. Just just because the people there were horrible. I don't like customer service at the best of times. It was I was miserable doing it. And but I was like, I can't just quit because then, you know, my parents will just be on at me again. And so I was like, what can I do? So I basically just started doing a shit enough job that they would eventually have to fire me. Oh, really? So I just, you know, would neglect, wouldn't do, I wouldn't tight sweep up properly at the end of the day. I'd take too long on my lunch breaks. I'd, um, yeah, probably made their lives as a small business owners really very hard. <laughs> but, you know, I was, a, you know, I was an immature, like 17 year old or whatever, 16, 17, or maybe 16. But anyway, and so I was just like, this is the only way out of it. And so then <laughs> I don't know why, because it was a really bad plan because then obviously I had to turn around to parents and say, oh yeah, I've been fired. They don't want me to come back. But it, somehow it was on them, not on me, just coming across as feckless. See, even though that's exactly what it was. Really. See, I, I had a similar scenario. I've talked that I yeah. used to work at B&Q. Yes. And when I was at university, I, I was working at B&Q and the same. It wasn't intentional. But it was just, I didn't care. So I used to just do a bad job just because I just didn't care. So, like, the example I always give is once on my lunch break, I went and watched Peter Jackson's King Kong at the cinema. Uh Nearly three (laughs) hours. Nearly three hours long. And whenever I came back, they'd just be like, oh, Matt, just please don't do that again. Um, (laughs) But then one year, I rang up and I was like, oh, I'm coming back uh, from... Because I used to transfer between B&Q's. Uh-huh. So over the summer when I came home, I worked at our local one and then I'd go back to that one. And I just yeah. rang up and was like, oh, I'm coming back. And then they basically said, oh, we don't want you anymore. Mm. So I was pretty gutted because obviously needed money at uni. But then about yeah. half a week later, uh, one of my friends rang me and just went, oh, the old manager got sacked. We've got this new guy that's never met you. You should probably ring up. He'll give you a job. And <laughs> I was back within a month. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah yeah well there you go so some job related confessions there yeah. for our confession does yeah things like that really worry me now because obviously working in a school and i'm sure it's the same for you in the nhs like professionalism pretty much comes first yes and yeah like you know it comes no surprise i'm i'm a bit of an idiot so <laughs> i'm always like really concerned about professionalism these days yeah so, i'll tell you what the issue i've got with we, we, we are so understaffed i don't have time to be unprofessional yeah <laughs> anyway look come on let's get back on track okay right so the confession dial is to be delivered on the doctor's final day to his best friend yes it's delivered to missy not clara of course it is so yeah. missy basically says that time lord concept of friendship surpasses whatever humans think it could be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Clara's... I like when she points at the couple and goes, you see that couple over there? You're the dog. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's about the size of it. So Clara then challenges Missy to make her believe the Doctor needs help. Yes. And Missy then frees the plane. And the confession yep. dial, we find out, will open when and if the Doctor dies. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like a last will and testament, isn't it? As well as a confession. It is, yeah. Okay. So Missy says, if the Doctor's going to die, it'll be on Earth somewhere, and mm-hmm. they need to work out where and why. Yeah. Okay. So they start filtering. They basically scan the Earth for where there's loads of noise, but no crisis. And somehow yeah, they can scan they're looking through time. That... Yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. They're like they mention something about historical records, whatever. It's a big stretch, but it, I don't care. It gets us from A to B, which is all, all this is. But yeah, initially they're looking for like anywhere where there's anomalies and things, and they're like, okay, but you need to take out anywhere where there's an actual crisis because he's. We're, what we're looking for is him having a party, effectively. Mm. And so yeah, so they land in. Uh, they 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 find. It's Britain, obviously. It's Britain. Of course, it is. Um, Where else? Yeah. And uh, it's like turns a, out it's it's like a medieval fight pit. It is. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, Missy just in, as soon as they got the coordinates, Missy's straight in there with the vortex manipulator. I love Missy's reaction to the vortex manipulator. <laughs> She's just like a giddy child just getting off a roller coaster. Yeah. But when they get there, it turns yeah. out at first the doctor's not just there straight away. Yeah. Uh, he makes his appearance riding a tank playing a sick guitar solo. Yes, yeah. Now, I feel like this bit gets misinterpreted by some people sometimes. Um, there are some people who point to me like, oh, this is, this is uh, kind of, this was a mistake because this is where you've got the, the show trying to make Capaldi's Doctor cool? No, that is not what is happening here. Quite he's, the opposite. He's... Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd say it's like midlife crisis. Exactly. That's what it is. He's, he's making appalling dad jokes. He's kind of rocking out on a guitar at a point where, where guitar music is basically dead in terms of youth culture <laughs> you know uh riding a tank yeah it's 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 yeah it's what a, a middle-aged dad going through a midlife crisis would think is cool which is not the same as actually being cool no um, far from it yeah but it's it fits so perfectly that this is what this doctor would if 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 they were like okay time's up let's go out with a bang this is this is where he's at. Yeah, so I love it. It's it's a brilliant scene, but it, it kind of annoys me when people almost willfully misinterpret the the thinking behind it. Um, uh, so, but yeah, and that is a fun fact. That is Capaldi playing the guitar. Oh really? Yeah, he used to he used to be in a in a punk band back when in his sort of uh, yeah I knew that college he, days like, had musical aspirations, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it kind of, he's not the first doctor to, uh, to have a sort of musical instrument as a bit of a gimmick, you know, there's a second doctor, second doctor with his little, uh, recorder and, uh, the seventh doctor would occasionally break out the musical spoons. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. You know, the old variety trick of like, uh, playing the spoons. Yeah. 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 He'd do that sometimes. coming in Doctor Who. 
Yeah, I mean, it was something that's, that uh, just uh, Sylvester McCoy likes to do. So he's just like, oh, can I do this? And they were like, yeah, fine, whatever. Show's going to be cancelled in a few years. Do what you like, Sylph. Knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. So the reason he's brought his guitar is because he's having an axe fight. Yeah. And the reason he Again, brought his it... tank was it's for his fish. Yes, as I say, dad jokes. Dad jokes. So yeah. this is where I've noted the Doctor's back to being full doctory. Yeah. And he introduces Clara and Missy to the crowd and straight away yeah. hugs Clara. Yeah. So we know something's changed. But, I mean, we say that, but she questions it, but then he, he kind of refers back to what they said at the end of Death in Heaven, you know, hugs just a way to hide your face. So, as well as Clara and Missy, it turns out old slicey face is here as well. Of course he is. Except he's not a slicey face, he's just a big old snake. Yeah, big snake man. Yeah. So he called... Not just one snake, though. One big snake and lots of little snakes. Yeah, just like... A bit weird, isn't it? It is a bit weird. Like like I say, it's practically Mighty Boosh level. Yeah. But, so uh, yeah. he calls the Doctor to meet with Davros. Mm-hmm. And I like that the Doctor calls Davros his arch enemy and Missy becomes very offended by that. <laughs> yes! Like, I, I know it's been said, and I know we've said it yeah. ourselves, but Michelle Gomez is quite easily the best thing about Doctor Who at this point. Oh, I don't think anyone would, would question that, yeah. Just every single line delivery. It's it's it, it's not what you're expecting, but it's perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Davros knows. Davros remembers. He throws the old screwdriver at the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctor doesn't have a screwdriver anymore and he's very ashamed by that yes but the shame on his face is also because he turned his back on little boy Davros and didn't save him yeah, yeah is it we get the flashback here don't we yeah um, to, to him yeah just legging it I mean it's nicer than what I would have done Mm. I would have said to Davros, oh, I've created a safe space. Just walk this way, and I'd just feed into their minds. <laughs> I'd be like, don't worry, it's perfectly safe. Dead in a second. I'd mm-hmm. go home, have a nice cup of tea. Yeah. So, Missy is quite aware that this is a trap. And the Doctor says it's not a trap, it's goodbye. An old snake face takes them all on his ship. Yeah. Okay. And we find out at this point that the Doctor's friend that he was having the axe battle with was a Dalek. Well, Dalek drone, like we saw in Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah. And he's now, like, like taken the TARDIS. He's procured yeah, the TARDIS. Yeah. So we get a bit of an explanation from the Doctor who Davros is, just in case people weren't aware. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, Davros made the Daleks, but who made Davros? And I, Good question. I've written that without a question mark because I've just put who made Davros. Doctor Who made Davros. <laughs> yes, indeed. And when they get aboard Davros's ship, it's quite quaint, quite nice, because mm-hmm. it's a hospital. And Clara points out to the Doctor that he sent Missy his confession dial. So therefore yes. he must have known that she was alive. And the lying is continuing. Yeah. Okay. And when we go back to Missy delivering lines perfectly, I like that as he's leaving, the Doctor goes, 
gravity. And she goes, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously she's as smart as the Doctor. She's been around as much as the Doctor. She knows what yeah. what what to look out for. So mm-hmm. Snakeface leads the Doctor away. Mm-hmm. And Missy tells Clara that the gravity is too good for a ship. It's more mm-hmm. like a planet than a spaceship. Yeah. And she opens the airlock and says to Clara, let's make jam. <laughs> <laughs> so Clara's yeah. worried they're going to get sucked out the airlock, but when they open mm-hmm. it, there's no real risk. Yeah. So the Doctor meets with Davros, and Davros mm-hmm. says that they look alike now. Which I thought was a bit harsh on Capaldi. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, the Doctor's a bit older, but you can't say that about Capaldi. Yeah. Okay. So, the Davros replays old conversations between the Doctor. And yeah. there's one in particular, the Tom Baker one. Again, Frank, our listener, sent me it. Yeah. Where the, Tom Baker's like, oh, I could kill Davros before he's even born. Well, it's not even Davros. It's it's um, it's it's uh, the Genesis of the Daleks, which we've referred to before. It's a very well loved story, um, and in it, the Doctor is tasked by the Time Lords to go back to the earliest point in the da- in the Daleks creation and stop it before it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, RTD has said in interviews he basically views it that act. The, the decision by the Time Lords to intervene and try and stop the, the Daleks as the first the first shot fired in the Time War. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Daleks have never forgotten since. But of course, when the, when, when the Doctor finally comes to that point, he can't bring himself to do it because he's like, they're not, they're not evil yet. Yes, they're capable of evil, but, you know, do I have the right as one individual to kind of wipe out an entire race that has the potential for good, mm-hmm. same as any other? Um, so that's the kind of moral quandary that quandary posed by that story. And the subsequent iter- incarnations of the Doctor have talked about their regret in making that decision. Well, so what it's kind I, what of a, I like in that scene, though, is yeah. he's holding two ends of wire that if yes. he touches together, will that's halt it. it. But then yeah. some guy turns up and he's like, the, the Daleks have surrendered, it's over. And then the Doctor just throws the wire on the floor. Like, what if someone <laughs> trod on that and kicked them together? <laughs> yeah. Uh, classic who. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... I yeah, it, it, it's a, it's such a key moment. It's had that moment has had so many like ripple effects throughout mm. Doctor Who since. So naturally, it, it gets an airing here. Um, so Davros says that his hatred of the Doctor and the Doctor's hatred of him has survived the Time War. Yeah, and we then cut to Missy, who steps out of the the station who says, well, it's a planet, but it's invisible. Except it's only invisible until your eyes adjust to the spectrum of light here. Mm-hmm. It's only bloody Scarrow, isn't it? Back from it, the dead. Ah, uh, 
flipping Scaro, eh? Uh, it's really nice to see it, though, because I don't think we've ever seen Scaro properly in Yu Who before. Uh, no, I know the Doctor was on his way there once to take the Master's remains when he was on trial. Yeah, that's not New Who, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's whatever the hell the movie was. Um, but, yeah, I, I've always loved the design of, of the cities on Scarrow. You know, proper old-school sci-fi buildings. And I love that they've never changed that. They've never tried to really update it. They've obviously made it look nice for HD, but it's really the same Scarrow as it ever was. Uh, so yeah, really nice reveal. Just a little garbage planet for the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Just why do they fight so hard for it? I know it's their home and everything, but it's yeah. an absolute dump. Yeah, I mean, home's where your heart is. Yeah. Do Daleks have hearts? Who knows? Um, I don't know. I think they got. Back... They'll have some kind of internal organs. Yeah, yeah. You would... they basically look like an internal organ. No, I'd have to go back to Into the Dalek and see. Yeah. I would assume if they've got stomachs to take nutrition on board, then they must have mm-hmm. some sort of circulatory system. You'd think. You'd think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you could milk a Dalek? <laughs> We've been over this, Matt. <laughs> I'll just go back to that. Okay, so the Daleks then approach Missy and Clara and capture them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They have the TARDIS and are going to destroy it. Yeah. Clara says, good luck, it's indestructible. And that took me back to the Mind Robber, where it just blew up into a thousand pieces when some, like, yep. a strong wind blew on it or something. <laughs> but then, as as Missy says, who told you that, the Doctor? <laughs> like, yeah. obviously, uh, calling bullshit on that one. What What did you think to the bit where Missy tickles the Daleks' balls? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Improvised, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that's a little bit much for, like, a supposed family show. <laughs> it's brilliant, though, isn't it? Yeah. But it turns out, tickle the Daleks balls, get yeah. eviscerated. Them's the rules. Well, yeah. Yeah, RIP Missy. It was good to have her back, but, you know, obviously gone for good this time. Uh, she'll be back next episode without an explanation. <laughs> She's like Kenny from South Park. <laughs> Yeah. So, Clara tries to run. She's killed yeah. too. Yeah, R.I.P. Clara. Do you Got know what I'm Just for this about. one episode. What? I'm worried the Doctor's going to be able to bring people back and he's going to bring all of Osgood back. Mm. So, What would you do if, if, if he did, like, if Osgood did come back this series? Um, it depends how they did it. Mm. If they went, oh, it turns out her wife found a magic potion... I'd be like, well, <laughs> that's in keeping with the law, so I'll allow that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Because we're recording a little bit later, um, I thought I'd have a couple of afternoon beers whilst we're recording, and I, I really feel it. I'm really feeling it now. Yeah, I think it's starting to show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the doctor questions why he let Davros live. And Davros mm-hmm. says, well, compassion is wrong. Yeah. So, the good news is, the TARDIS is destroyed. Yes. Except we're not certain how, because the Doctor then is shown to go back to kill little Davros to save his friends. Yeah, so, well, who knows what order these things have happened in. Yeah. Timey-wimey and all that. 
But yeah, and that, that's that's our end. Just he's he's there with a gun, and he just says, "I'm here to save my friends." Exterminate. Yeah, but he doesn't use guns. Wow. I mean, except <laughs> when he does. All the times that he has on-screen used guns for various means. Yes. Um, Cracking series opener, isn't it? Yeah. Would would you say it's one of the best ones? Definitely. I can't remember the last time we've seen one. Maybe Smith's opener? Yeah, I'd say I'd be going back to series five for the last one of this level. Uh, But this, this is very different to that. In that you've really got some breathing room. I love that it's a two-parter. We're not rushing mm. with with this, you know, and that gives space for the performances, Capaldi and Gomez, and you know, you get some and Julian Bleach as well. You get some great performances. Some because it's not that many different scenes. You get that little jet-setting bit at the start, but then it settles down, and it's quite long, dialogue-heavy. Scenes, but, but, but it you know it's funny. It, yes, it has a yeah. sense of drama and purpose about it. Yeah, you know yeah. it's really it's really firing on all cylinders. And if you've enjoyed this, I don't want to say too much, but I think I'm hopeful that series nine's going to be a good experience for you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, hopefully get Missy back and then replace Clara with Missy. And I'm not saying I don't yeah. like Clara, but just have <laughs> Missy all the time. <laughs> well, if we think... Okay, so at the moment, at the end of this episode, we know for a fact that Missy, Clara and the TARDIS are all definitely dead, destroyed, yeah. gone forever. So we're, we're, we know that. That's true, right? Yeah. But if you could only save one of the three, which would it be? Uh, I don't know, because... Probably the TARDIS. It's iconic. Yeah, without the TARDIS, there's there's no show, really, is there? Yeah. I mean, it is a machine. He could get another one. Yeah, but how could he get to a place where he can get another one? Uh, Hitch a lift. Vortex manipulator. Hmm. Just have a whole series where he's just got a vortex manipulator. Who needs a TARDIS? Well, yeah, I suppose. Much more practical. Yeah, but then where where wrist. would you set most of the scenes? Do you think he'd just get a bed sit? <laughs> See, I love that. It's an idea I'm a bit obsessed with. And actually, subsequently, I've discovered, I think Big Finish have actually done it with the Eighth Doctor. They've got a series out at the moment called Stranded, where it is the Doctor just stuck in London. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think it was one of the things where they had the misfortune to set it in 2020, but obviously they're recording it back in 2018, 2019, pre-pandemic. Yeah. So we know it's got all these rough references to London in 2020, but like people are walking around. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's that's there's that's going to be a someone's going to make a list one day of all the media that was inadvertently set in an alternate reality 2020 where there was no coronavirus pandemic. I remember, I, I saw a thing this week that there is a new. Hitman video game. Yeah. And there's a bit where you get in a lift and people just have a conversation about the pandemic. Oh, that seems weird and unnecessary. Yeah, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I don't need it. I, I, 
I think I'll be happy in time for, to have media that references it, but it's got there's got to be justification for it, mm-hmm. and it's got to be handled sensitively. I think. I don't yeah. know that that a conversation a lift in a hitman game is really <laughs> the right venue mm. for that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. Out of the three of them, no, it's Tardis, isn't it? Uh, it it kind of has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll have to wait until next week to find out uh, if any of them do in fact survive or can be uh, can be saved. Are you excited for next week? Are you 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 uh, you're fully yeah, on the quite hook? Keen, keen to see where things are going. Brilliant, and uh, well, fingers crossed. Our listeners are keen to to hear your thoughts on it, um, and who knows what else besides. <laughs> Uh, so yeah so so do join us next week everyone when we will be discussing The Witch's Familiar but until then thank you very much for listening and cheerio bye now thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space if you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter, we are at Time Nor Space Pod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <laughs>